grown up in the ghetto, hanging out on corners, singing with the fellas, looking for the cute chicks, trying to find the big fun, looking for some trouble, or anyone who give me some. I was young and crazy, in the ghetto, <laughs> I was feeling all so free, in the ghetto, there all my life would be, in the ghetto. <laughs> I was dumb and oh so lazy in the ghetto. Talking that ghetto life, <laughs> ghetto life. That's it. The so one and only <laughs> Rick James. Richard James of Buffalo, New York. Oh, yes. <laughs> I believe that's where he's from. <laughs> oh, yeah. I believe. Praise Let's Lord see where niggas. Rick James is from. Praise the Lord, niggas. Welcome to Carrie's. Yes, we're bike. Um, oh, he was an Aquarius. That made sense. Let's look at early life. Ah, Buffalo, New York. Look at me. You better know it. You better know your musical trivia. His name is not Richard. His name is James Ambrose Johnson Jr. <laughs> James Ambrose. Is very James black. Ambrose Johnson Jr. Born February 1st in Buffalo, New York. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a time. Yeah. What a time to be alive. Well, anyway, how are you, sister? How are you doing? Oh, wait, no. Welcome back to Getting Grown, where we discuss the tests, the trials, the tests, the tits, the, tits, the, t- uh, the testes, the t- tribulations and yes, the taxes that is correct of, yeah real a real live adult in the year of our lord 2022 yes very and, much so uh, but yes, i'm how doing are okay you? i'm safe i have what i need managing I, what i believe to be a little cold mm. uh, forgive my manly stanley in the ghetto yes it sounds a lot worse than it actually is i just think that my body is a little tired and run down I think you're just giving smelly cat. It don't even sound bad. It's just really because like, to uh, me, I'm hearing this rasp. Yeah, but isn't that what that is? That's what it is. <laughs> Can I be honest and tell you that that is the only soul episode of Friends I've ever seen in its entirety? Smelly cat. <laughs> Smelly cat, smelly cat. And then I've seen like clips, you know, if I wake up in the middle of the night and it's on, mm-hmm. or like when I be at the nail shop, the lady likes it. This um, is actually pretty stuff. funny. It was not bad. I think it's it's just different for me. And I also Understood. think that um, you know, I don't know, it was not in my it was not in my direct view when it was happening. You know Same. what I'm saying? I was but I did have on one of my close friends in college watched it, watched <laughs> Friends by herself. Like it was the first it was one of the first times in my life that I witnessed someone being in a room all alone, yell laughing at the top of her lungs. She oh. would be in her room, I mean wow. I mean goofing, slapping her <laughs> <laughs> like, Was she black? Over friends. Yes, she was, and I mean, it was friends. just so fascinating to me because I had never, none of my other friends, you know, to that point had ever watched Friends, and I was just like, really, Friends makes you laugh like that? And I have to say that I gave it a couple of watches, and there were many times where I laugh, laughed aloud. Um, okay. It was funny. It was. Yeah, no, I. it's not bad when I catch it. Um, 
in the clips and moments that I catch it in. No, you but know, I did not I'm watch sick. it like on NBC when it was like a thing, you know. No, it's mm-hmm. not a thing for me. I get it. I be seeing the Central Perk or however mm-hmm. you all do the shit, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe one day I'll go give it an old college try. Probably not. But anyway. Uh, How are you? We, we didn't talk about that. Oh, I'm good. I um had to do motherhood. Noah, ironically, also has some sort of allergy, cold situation. Mild, but stuffy. I'm not going to send her to school, which was great because I used it as an opportunity to take out her braids. Mm. Um, I was like, wow, double whammy. You Look know, this the is Lord a blessing. Us you got a mental health day, kid. I took, was able to predominantly take out your braids. I'm not quite done. And... Um, and then, you know, let let her just stay home and do what she needed to do. And I'm just loading up on my vitamin D and C to ensure that I don't catch whatever that is. Because children are germ carriers, aren't they? Petri dishes, honey. Walking with legs and feet mm-hmm. and toes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am safe and I have what I need as well. And I'm grateful for that. And um, we have a really awesome kitchen table talk that pivots in multiple directions. Oh, yeah, one of do. them goes into gratitude which is really lovely but before that we're going to do a really truncated trash segment and then we've got our special edition sponsored by target shout out segment for you all so let's hop into this trash and get this show rolling let's do it so, um, this was not originally on the docket, but Kia, just go ahead and reshare what you just shared with me. I saw um, the Daily Mail had uh, was on Twitter today earlier because uh, I don't know if you guys know, but I had to I had to run to Twitter to figure out what the heck was going on with my Instagram. Oh yeah, you did have that this morning. I don't know what happened, but my Instagram. It, I got a message saying that my Instagram was suspended. And then it was saying that my Instagram was deleted. It was really unsettling uh, start to my morning. However, uh, thankfully, uh, order was restored. Mm-hmm. Um, but while I was on Twitter trying to find out what the heck was going on in my life, uh, I learned that Kim Kardashian was uh, stopped by. <laughs> she dropped by Tracy Ellis Ross' 50th birthday party. In full Halloween costume, Mm. only to learn that the party was not a costume party. So I saw this costume. I did not know until you just told me that it was not a costume party. I didn't know the other part of the story. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Can you imagine? I I mean, we see this on like TV shows and, and shit like that. But well, maybe this happened a while ago. Maybe she just posted this as a memory. I don't know. But she said that time when she posted on her TikTok, she said that time I showed up to a birthday dinner in full costume when it wasn't a costume party. Happy birthday to the most beautiful and kind Tracy Ellis Ross. Oh, no, that sounds like she did that very recently and was like, remember that time that I (laughs) Um, and you said she showed up as Mystique Stick. Yeah, she was with Mystique. Mm -hmm. And she actually what was crazy was that she actually had like other people in costume with her. Um, Not too bringing people to her. She had like Olivia Pearson dressed up as magic 
and Natalie Halcrow as Celine. So she had people to come with her, also dressed up like the X-Men so that she wouldn't be alone, I guess. Who are these people? I have no earthly idea. Please don't try to. <laughs> Please. But she was in full on. I mean, she was in the full garb. I mean, full on. Earlier in the day, she posted on Instagram to show off the outfit and you know yeah i think this is she went to diddy's party because he there there was diddy dressed up like the joker okay um so she went but then she, she said she's gonna pop over to tracy ellis ross's party and tracy you know everyone is there in their regular degular street clothes <laughs> and here she come in the door dressed like mystique it's like girl so i did ask on twitter i did ask mm-hmm. on twitter and i will ask you if you, perchance, uh, arrived at a party in costume to learn that it was not a costume party, would you stay or would you leave? Uh, at that point, I'm there. Like, <laughs> I'm eating. It's a dinner party. I'm probably going to be Ursula because that's going to be the only person I'm going to dress up as. And so it's just going to be poor, unfortunate souls for the rest of you. Like, I'm going to sit here in this latex sweetheart neck <laughs> dress and these these purple, purple arms and I'm gonna and we're eat going to eat my lamb chops. We're committed. <laughs> yeah. we're committed at this like, point. Fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. We ball. Y'all already see me. <laughs> like, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. <laughs> and I and I don't think that Kim Kardashian did that in, in um in, um on purpose, but it was just kind of crazy to me. It was like it's Tracy Ellis Ross's birthday party, and nobody's talking about Tracy. We're all talking and about Kim now. Nobody called this a fucking costume party. Oh yeah, also there's also very much that. I'm like, just like okay, well happy aw, birthday Tracy Ellis Ross girl. Happy birthday Tracy Ellis Ross. We stand okay. okay. Fifty years old. Fifty and years still of out here. Fabulous. With your amazing okay, presence. looking amazing. Being mm-hmm. amazing. Being amazing. I'm sure smelling amazing, mm-hmm. you know, just all embodiment. Yeah, let's pivot that right let's on over in that. the direction that we um, wanted to go. And, and I also a funny memory I saw, I put it on my Instagram stories, but that time that Beyonce, uh, Beyonce's Halloween costume was Tony <gasps> I Braxton. I saw that today! And Kylie, and uh, what's Kris Jenner? Kris Jenner <laughs> thought that she was being her. It was like, white woman, please sit back. She Are was Tony Braxton on the Seven Whole Days album, on a Tony. I think it was Tony Braxton. It was self-titled. I mean, and the album cover, the spoof album cover that Beyonce posted actually said Phony Braxton on it. Phony Braxton. And Ky- uh, Ky- oh, I keep calling her Kylie. That's her child. Cause, Chris. Because it doesn't matter. Chris Jenner. Talk <laughs> about, thank you so much, Beyonce. First of all, you don't even look like this. I'm flattered. I'm like, girl, you've never looked like Are you that. dumb? Stop. Like a, a black. <laughs> like, what the a brief fuck? uh I only doing this because Dustin told me to. But over the weekend I had a little time and I went live and we ended up because you know, I'm an organizational scholar by training. Yes, you are. We've been dealing with Nick Cannon's progeny now for quite some time. And the way that my mind works, I wanted to see the landscape, right? So I took pad to paper. I actually made a conceptual framework. I made a map guiding us through. Hollering. Do you hear me? Guiding us through all (laughs) of Nick's baby mamas and children. And really walked walked through 
the simultaneous pregnancies of 2021 and 2022. And it was really a fascinating, it was a fascinating, uh, you know, co-construction. You know, I love that we were able to process these things collectively. But if we really think about this, right, Nick Cannon had three children born in June of 2021. And he had, he had, that's that's three women that were two two women that were pregnant at the same time in 2021 and now in 2022 there are four women who have been pregnant for nick cannon this year so that means y'all going raw bar ceviche and i just really feel like i'm astounded at, at this and and what this means um because there are two did you know that nick cannon had a child born in july of 2022 and had a no. child born September 15th, 2022, and then September 23rd, 2022. So three women were pregnant at the same time. Yes. And then on October 26th, just last week, baby mama number three, her name is Alyssa. She announced that she was pregnant for him again. This is the young woman that had, I believe, babies in. That was baby number seven that passed away in December of 2021. She's pregnant oh, again. That's right. Okay. And so that's four okay. children that, that three. So how know, many are there total? Because I've lost. There's six count. baby mothers. And there's how many children? Eleven. By my calculations, even though some outlets are reporting twelve. Are they including the, does your 11 include the baby? My 11 does include baby Zen. Baby Zen is number seven. That's the baby that passed away. My 11 does include that. But regardless, Nick Cannon's children surpass the amount of fingers that we have. Absolutely. And what's fascinating is it wasn't until, so as of 2020, he had four children and two baby mamas. So within, between 2020, the start of 2020 and now, he has collected four more baby mamas and <laughs> seven more children in just two years time. And he's going to keep going. He's going to keep doing this because he already said his goal. I don't. Did he say what his goal was? Yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah. That nigga said he is here for this shit. Do you hear me? He said, I'm with the shits. I'm trying to bring as many little black babies into this world. I am trying to. Yeah. Like he's on some. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's on it's that. It's so wild to me that it's consensual. That it's commit. not like that white man who, who replaced his sperm, who replaced other people's sperm with his own sperm in that clinic. So I have to say it's consensual because everybody's saying yes to this shit. But also, what the fuck? It's not lost on me that that Nick Cannon wants to have black children, but not with black women. There's also that. So, like, I don't understand your Dr. Sebi. I'm trying to pick up the, the torch that Dr. Sebi and, Nick, and, 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 and Nipsey dropped. Like, I'm not understanding all of that like, when, like you said, you're, you're not having babies with the black ladies. Even all, though, all, the all of them baby, other even though the baby part, mama right? number six is brown. Her name is Lanisha, I think. Oh, she black. Okay. She black or she's She looks brown. to be Afro-Latina. Okay. Okay. She's brown. Um, well, Godspeed. I don't, I don't know. 
<laughs> Godspeed and I feel like, like if, God, if Roe v. God Wade, bless your sister, wife, vaginas. This is what I, I'm saying. Like I feel like let I just if if the government can regulate uteri. When are they going to start these federally sanctioned vasectomies? Regulate a dick, nigga, okay? At what point? (laughs) Never, because they don't like to regulate themselves, as we will talk about more in the kitchen table. My lord. Because men will go to egregious measures to regulate our bodies, but not their own. So again, I say, Godspeed. I don't know. I don't know no. what I don't know. I don't um, think in the Lord other speaks. news, yes, please. The trash Pivot is very us. ghetto today. Uh, oh, it continues to get ghetto, sister. It just Ugh. continues on because Elon Musk bought Twitter, and, and I feel like everything that, has gone wrong since. Baby, okay. First and foremost, um, <laughs> yes. He oh, let me just say this. He bought Twitter, and. The word nigger increased by 500% from people who just felt like. I mean, what does it say? It internet. What does it say about a country? Mm. You already know. When, when, <laughs> like, we're going to, when, when at the opportunity, or I guess I'm quoting, when given the opportunity to exercise one's right for free speech, we reach for hate speech first. What does that mm-hmm. say? That about this is the motherfucking ghetto, and that I opened up this show with the right song. I, this is this country was founded upon theft, and it was founded upon um, uh, fear, which was extremely dangerous. Uh, it was founded upon entitlement uh, and so many other things that are wrong and are what's wrong with the foundation of this country and will always be wrong until they figure out if they really want to fix it. And by the looks of things, it does not seem to be so. Mm, mm, mm. Hmm. Um, but so, yeah, in the name of free speech and all of that, you know, the, the increase is 500 like, percent. That's not an exaggeration. That's not oh, a listen, number that we Jay were, just used. No. And we were victims, honey, <laughs> of this. I mean, there's a parade of white supremacy a, in my mentions. Oh, <laughs> we have a phenomenal three part series coming out um, that you all will see lots and lots of promo for and will get to be a part of a really awesome conversation. But with that being on a public platform, when that was announced, we were uh, accosted <laughs> by a barrage My Lord. of right wing racist and let me just uh, say questions this. and or comments let me just say that nothing about the programming was divisive in nature nothing about no. it suggested that a discussion about the complexity of the black woman's experience was suggested that anybody other anybody else's experience was not valid or complex mm -hmm. it was literally just a space that said we are providing some tools and some language for acknowledging our experience and you know moving through it 
in a way that promotes justice and change and unity and community Mm -hmm. and joy and love and light and celebrating and amplifying all of the awesome, amazing work of, you know, women, black women, this all this is all about celebration it's about acknowledging how Mm -hmm. we've navigated and negotiated systems that were designed for our failure um and have found Mm -hmm. success despite those things and just that alone has has made people so angry (laughs) like triggered i mean the people are balled up and fired up mad about it were their black woman's experience is no more complex than anybody else's. I mean, they said that we look like men. (laughs) Yeah, they did all kinds of things and it's fine. I (laughs) they called us all kinds of things, y'all. Did, did. Um (sighs) and that just you know what? It just shine it's it's just a light on the world that we live in, but it's not and it's what will make everybody. them even matter is if y'all go and support it, amplify it, sweet it mm-hmm. to all your friends. Join us in the comments. We're going to have some complimentary online discussions on Twitter and Instagram. So please yes, come and sit awesome with us. People. Check it, check it out. Okay, let's stir yes. the pot. Let's stir the pot. Okay, starting next Monday, uh, November 7th. Whoa, that that is came the very up quickly. First Oh, pe- baby, and this is something we've put a lot of work into. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. Okay. That's usually how it goes. It's like your birthday takes 364 days to come. It comes and it's like, whoop, done. Yes. <laughs> done. So you, your wedding day, you know, sometimes birth. Um, but I, uh, yeah, we, it's going to be a really awesome conversation. Join us at six o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Twitter. Um, and you can go to any one of our handles. All of the information will be provided in the description box. And we're going to watch Illuminating Intersectionality hosted by Dr. Takia, friend of Hey Friend, Hey in the Friend Zone and myself. Uh, three part series, the next fo- the three following Mondays. Um, and it's going to be awesome. So we have some awesome chats, some awesome conversations, um, some awesome, awesome discussion prompts. And we put a lot, a lot, a I lot mean, of a lot, really y'all. hard work into this project um, over the past year. Uh, and so we're really, really hype and grateful to be able to share that with you all and to have those conversations, to provide that platform to start those conversations, because this is not where they end. So um, and yeah, the best thing we can do in order to combat the hate is to celebrate, continue to celebrate ourselves, the spaces that we have created for ourselves um, and and just keep shining in that way. So. That's that. So I, I hope that you all really enjoy it. First episode is hosted by Dr. Kia here. Of In all podcast. of my nerves. But we get through it. It's fine. Y'all are like a wonderful little army of people that like come together and do the work that needs to be done. You have all the all the verbiage and all the necessary language that we need. And we are all have nerves in our own way. Okay, at one point I was like, wow, I splayed my legs about like a fucking starfish. No, and that's here not we true. Are. I did. Uh, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yes. So we're really excited. Um, and my pants were huge, but we're really excited to be able to share these huge conversations with you all because they're 
They're important conversations. And shout out to Franico on. First of all, shout out to the three of us on the producer tip. I just want to let you all, we're not just talent in this motherfucker. Okay. We are producers. Okay. We produce this thing from the Ruta to the Tuta. From and the we Ruta give us to the Tuta. To the Tuta. That ass. Concept to, I mean, to, wrote concept every word completion. that was said. And Franiqua really put on mm-hmm. her directorial hat. It's giving um, Spike Lee. It's giving Okay, like, it's giving better than Spike Lee. Woo! It's giving concise and like... It's giving Ava DuVernay. When I tell it's you... It's giving the production. It's giving the it directorial really just took things over to another and expertise. We, yeah. we stand a legend we in the We stand making. and we're grateful and it's just really awesome to be able to do this work with my sisters. So... Um, and for all Ain't of us to bring individual like things to the table. And I think the complexity of all of our identities is what makes is a part of what makes this world so awesome. And the fact that black women are so complex and so diverse and have so many different things on so many different levels to share, talk about and relate to. So, yeah, that was a very long way for saying I hope you all watch <laughs> this amazing um, series Uh and that's it for the trash. I, that shouldn't have even gone in the trash. That was an accident. <laughs> okay. We're but ending the trash on a very high note. For one. We are. <laughs> and speaking of Black Beyond Measure, oh, yes. we have a really special sponsored shout out segment for you all. So make sure you tune in and check out Bet on Black. But stay tuned and we're coming back with that. My sister's popping right now. Lala. Welcome to the shout out to my people segment sponsored by Target and the Bet on Black uh, program and Revolt TV and all of the wonderful things in between. So you all know that we're doing recaps right here on Getting Grown. Um, and we're going to come back with episode two for Bet on Black. So I want to start off, sister, by just giving the flowers. I know we, we, we did it last week, but I have to say this week, Dustin Ross is really doing his thing with this hosting gig. He is giving pep talks to the contestants and, you know, just getting them in line, give them good energy before they head out onto the stage. And I'm like, you better do it, Dustin. I saw one girl looked him right in his face. And said, Thank you, Dustin. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was cute. He's very but charming. Remember, he has a way of just making everyone feel comfortable, comfortable. and prepared yes. for whatever it is they have to do. So this is it's yes. dope to kind of see him. Fully be himself. I love it. I love it. Um, remember that the grand prize is $200,000. And so every episode, three of the 12 companies are picked randomly to uh, pitch to the judges, let them know what their business is about, and... Um, and yeah, and have the chance to win $200,000 or walk away with a $5,000 prize, a $10,000 prize or a $20,000 prize with the chance to move forward. So what I did not realize last week is that we get alternating guest judges. Mm-hmm. So we have our three mainstays, which is Master P, mm-hmm. who I was also introduced to another one of his wonderful businesses this week, Master Crunch Cereal. <laughs> Didn't know it existed, but I'm very excited. So uh, Pinky Co. 
hole. And there's so many things, wrap snacks, noodles, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Pinky Cole of Slutty Vegan and Ron Brown, which is the VP of Community Impact at Target. And this week we got Texas, Houston made Latoya Luckett, okay, formerly of Destiny's Child. That was a that was a lovely treat, and I love her energy um, that she brought to the table. So Remember last week, uh, in third place, we got Dog and Whistle, uh, who won $5,000. In second place, Poe Up walked away with $10,000. And in first place, LA Beauty Club walked away with $20,000 and the chance to move on to the finals. So now that we got all that underway, let's get to episode two. Mm-hmm. All right. We have three, so, more con- three more contestants that were randomly selected yes. to pitch to the judges this week. And this mm-hmm. week we have the Guilty Grape of Dallas, Texas, the Lab Drawer of Detroit, Michigan, and yep. sh- is it Sugar Dough? Um, Sugar Dough, yeah. Yes. Um, I don't remember where she's from. Remind me. Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas, yes. Yes. And so these um, three businesses had their opportunity to pitch their brands uh, to the panel. And so I believe yes. we start with Sugar Dough. No, we actually started with uh, Guilty, Guilty Grape. Guilty Grape, yes. Um, that's the okay. Twins. That's all right. The twins. <laughs> the twins. Indeed. Who came in twinning hard. Okay. Very hard. From the outfits Completing each other's to the... Yes. They are identical. Okay. They share the same sack. <laughs> Do you hear me? I was like, I think these these updo braided dudes are braided in the same direction. Everything like, about I feel them like was the just about identical. <laughs> like it was actually a little jarring um, because you know we love it. We we love twins, but you know we do. They are they were really twinning. <laughs> they were twinning, really, baby. Okay, they said we're gonna come in this periwinkle and chartreuse. It was but really everything else is going to Michelle be and same. Nicole out here being the same person. Okay. <laughs> So uh, Guilty Grape out of Dallas, Texas, is a lifestyle and luxury private label wine company. So what that means is they're not actually the creators of the wine, but they are involved in the process with working with the winemakers. Um, They weren't really super experienced sommeliers uh, and were turned down and doubted and invested their own money into the company. Um, And that's how Guilty Grape kind of came to be. It's for the new American wine drinker, they said, for millennial and minority wine drinkers. So I know Pinky asked them about some distribution and there were some concerns around that because they're not the creators of the wine. Um, And they have about a month turnaround for like high orders. But you know, they actually had a really, really solid pitch and they came in and I love that. I love having black women in the sommelier realm. You know what I mean? I actually considered it after culinary school, but Mm. they said 98% of people fail the first test and it is an extremely hard program. (laughs) So I said, I'll revisit that later on. Not now, uh, but I do love seeing that black women. I love seeing black women in a, in the in the wine field. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Next up, we had Aaliyah Marindis of Sugar Dough um, out of Austin, Texas. Listen, so the waxing. Listen, 
I'm here for it. Listen, you're a full you're a full convert, <laughs> and I just I love am. to see it. I, I, I am. I feel proud. I feel like I have been part of birthing you into this space, and I just am pleased as punch. I really am. As an aside, you have to listen to previous episodes of Getting Grown. Yes, to you get do. Caught Not this sponsored segment. Yes, indeed. So, but in any case, we have. You know what I love. Uh, it was really awesome to see the passion. Um, you know. Loving every entrepreneur, you know, it really is birthing a baby in, in, in it is. to respect and with to a certain extent. And um to, no, to see is. this entrepreneur was also actually pregnant and to mm-hmm. really sort of see her tap into that emotion and really understand how the what she was birthing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in business is really mm-hmm. just to, to prepare her for what she is birthing in her life. And she I mean, said, I don't my know. first baby and this is my second. Yes. baby. I was like, that's right. I was like, I that's know right. That's right. Give just where just do. It's deserved. Right. So mama, let me tell you how mama really took off. She had a hundred thousand dollars in sales in a week when she launched. She said she was making this formula for about six years and she'd use it herself and she'd give it to friends and family. And it's one of those. We all have one of those friends. We're like, you need to sell this. This is incredible. So she had about a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand sales in uh, in the first week where she had neighbors helping her pack orders she was like people were pissed because things were taking longer than expected and she finally was able to move to a fulfillment center to the point where they had two million dollars in sales by the end of 2020 and so that two million in sales is what gave the judges a bit of pause and concern Mm -hmm. uh, especially master because papa was very very confused exactly (laughs) he's like so where's the money (laughs) exactly he said now say what now say how how much you said he said he said two million dollars or two million followers (laughs) i was like Yo. <laughs> I just want to be clear because if you got two million dollars, what exactly do you need me for? What do you need me for? What do you, why are we? Why are you here? Why are you here? Black? You don't need to win no competition because you're doing all right. But what she did, she was like, you know, profit margins. I need somebody to come in and work with my numbers. I want to make sure that all of that is aligned and in place. Dot my I's, cross my T's. I know a lot goes back in when you're when you're running a business as far as overhead. She says she has a lot in overhead. And so she needs somebody to come and kind of just like clean all that up and get that in, get that in order. Um, next up. Mm-hmm. We had Dr. Alicia Gabriel and Deirdre Roberson of the Lab Drawer out of Detroit, Michigan. Arguably my favorite. I mean, <laughs> it, it was in a, a, a special place in my yeah. heart. Um, I thought about you immediately. Many of you know that I have worked in STEM education reform for a very long time um, mm-hmm. and been a part of the design and implementation of lots of programs that are... Uh, with, with that have the intention of facilitating more black and brown people into mm-hmm. the STEM fields. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I really love this one, uh, but specifically because, you know, it, to me, it addresses so many needs. It's not about mm-hmm. just um, <clears throat> trying to cultivate some passion for science um, within children, but it does sort of, call out and address 
a structural issue and that a lot of the schools that our children attend are under-resourced and don't have the means, don't have the materials um, to really sort of make science available to students in equitable ways. And so I love that this particular uh, business um, addresses that needs very directly. And Mm -hmm. um, I really, it really did. It it was just really dope to see these two women scientists, these two black women scientists Mm -hmm. championing this cause of, of really helping to spread the word and spread uh, the message around how fascinating and and inspiring um, and necessary it is for black yeah. and brown people to be engaged in science, technology, engineering, and math, and uh, STEAM specifically, arts. Yes, yes. So fusing the arts into that is you know even better. We love that. I thought that was awesome. The Basquiat box that they came up mm-hmm. with from. Uh, teaching the kids how to make their own paint to then following through to the actual painting. Um, I just thought it was really awesome. And it was also birthed through them and the start of their nonprofit organization where they couldn't uh, get enough funding. And they said, okay, we've got to do something to bring some funding in here. We want to do something to bring something to the kids of the community. How can we fuse all these together? And I think it was so, so, so awesome. Um, the only concern from the judges as it pertained to the lab drawer was their concern around profitability. And that was pretty much it. But in the end, Sugar Dough came in third place. Mm-hmm. Um walking away with $5,000. There were still many unanswered questions around her revenue. I <laughs> think the judges were, they just, they want to know more. I feel like they go hit her up off camera I and be like, had, okay, talk I to us. I had some more questions. <laughs> I even went and poked around too. her website a little bit, just trying to, and I mean, it's all there. Um, yeah. And it's clear that she has a product that people, yeah. people are using and mm-hmm. her business is growing and doing well. But in terms of sort of her plans to scale up, uh, there were some holes. Um, and yes, so I feel like that. Few. Yeah. Um, but no shade to her, but just, no, a, just not in terms all. of saying like, you know, whereas the other uh, contestants really did come together and say, this is what, this is what we're thinking in terms of growing mm-hmm. our, and growing our brands and growing our business. This is how we're going to use these resources to do that. Um, yes. And, you know, I think, is nothing to sneeze at, though, so... Baby, not at all. That's (laughs) $5,000 where she can go buy containers or or whatever she needs. Maybe more sugar, lemon, water, whatever. Materials. (laughs) Branding. She can go buy materials. Get it, get it 5K is nothing to sneeze at. So she did walk away with 5K. Um, Guilty Grape came in second place, walking away with $10,000, which I think is going to be awesome for investment into their yes. into their brand as well. And I hope that they eventually evolve into maybe partnering with a particular farmer and creating mm-hmm. their own, own, own wine. Um, I think that would be awesome for them. And then first place, Labjor came in winning $20,000, and they get to advance on to the finals for the opportunity to win $200,000. And... I'm so excited. I don't know if we're allowed to say who we're rooting for, but so far I'm rooting for them because I'm rooting for the black babies who get to benefit yeah. from this. I mean, you know and, what I mean? And I, I love that this is this is something I, I just love to see this kind of business on this platform. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I'm not 
this may sound like I feel away, but I don't because I patronize the, these businesses, all of them. So, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm saying we've seen, we have, you know, we see black women in hair. We see black women, um, in beauty and, you know, even like food and wine, you know, mm-hmm. those are things that it's not really uncommon to sort of see us in, but to mm-hmm. see these white, these black women scientists coming and really sort of branding and packaging something, um, yes. that is this yes. way to me is like really fresh and exciting. Absolutely. Um, and I just love that they've made it to this, this level of the platform and I'm excited to me see too. where they'll go. Me too. I'm super excited. Um, I have to say some moments that made me crack up during this episode was the fact that Master P is fully, and when I tell you fully, getting ready to be hitting Pinky up off of off camera <laughs> to try to get into some sort of business collaboration. Yes. <laughs> they have a very interesting chemistry. <laughs> it is giving it's, like siblings. Like they are very much. It's giving like proud uncle yes, in business. Yes. <laughs> it is, it like is, every time she speaks, he's a net. He's like, he's very proud. Now, you said what now? You said what now? He's very proud of that. <laughs> and I mean, I think that he, I think he respects her grind in a way. Absolutely. And it's really dope to sort of see them play off each other. Um, yeah, I like that actually. And Latoya too. was a really nice addition this week. Uh, she's just so like homey. Like she mm-hmm. makes you feel comfortable when she talks, and and I she just, was very affirming to all of the. Every, she was every contestant. She had something positive to say. Um, she was especially the sugar dough. She was like, "I'm gonna be purchasing," and I believe her. <laughs> I believe that I believe she, her too. I believe that right she immediately the, went. <laughs> she went right onto the sugar dough Instagram <laughs> and made her package purchases immediately. Because you know, I did. I was like, "Okay, so oh, I'm I did as well." Went ahead and followed. <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, so there's subscription service. This is let's get this." Sister might have walked away with another two million in sales. Wow, bet on, bet on black outside. On, <laughs> just based on. And just based on um, <laughs> just based on this this one appearance on the show alone, because the girls, hey, I think so. I think I, I think would love to know what her follower numbers are giving. Everyone's honestly, you, you know what she's giving me. You know when you would see contestants on American Idol back in the day, mm-hmm. and they did not because Jennifer Hudson did not win American Idol, correct? No, mm, no, she did not. No, she did not. But Jennifer Hudson has an egot. <laughs> at this Period. point so i'm not saying that because obviously bet on bet on black has been a, a a platform for her in addition to the platform that she's already built mm-hmm. mama may walk away and say i didn't win that but i won a million more customers so i think that's awesome but make sure you all tune in Next Monday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the episode three of Bet on Black and tune in to Getting Grown, where we are going to recap episode three and see who walks away with second, third, and first place. I don't know why I did that in that order. And And then from there, I'm really excited to see who's going to walk away with this 200K, honey. I want to know, and I'm really excited to see sort of what the next round is. So all the the semifinalists that make make it to the final round like what is going to be the next phase of competition what are they going to have right i'm like because you've already pitched i thought about that last i was like i've you've already pitched so i'm like what do you have to do now is there like an obstacle course like (laughs) 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 where they got those big foam things you know what i'm saying like do they have this like you know legends of the hidden temple they're gonna have to go through (laughs) and find their way find the treasure 
I'd be here for that. Me too. And they got, or maybe like Double Dare where they have to pull the flag. You know? I don't like, know. Let's, is I don't it know. Some, this is, is there a game part of it? I can't let's wait. Let's see. I can't wait. I can't wait too. And so I, make you sure know, you all tune in. Oh, yes. I'm, no, no, my no, faves are, I still have some faves in the docket too because I'm still waiting for Mess in a Bottle. You know I cannot wait for Mess in a Bottle to come and and give her pitch because you know it's getting ready to have lots of spice on it lots of she's just gonna add flavor to it because that's what she does so i'm really excited i'm really excited to see the remainder of the pitches bottom bottom but 9 30 p.m revolt tv make sure you all tune in this segment was sponsored by target and revolt tv bet on black make sure you all bet on black and beyond black measure like go on the website and support black brands you know what i'm saying absolutely we'll see you all for this awesome kitchen table talk so make sure you stay tuned stay tuned getting diagnosed with diabetes changes everything Not just how you eat, but how you exercise, how you enjoy life, how you live. I feel like Walgreens just really gets it. From my local pharmacist, Sophia, always being so kind and encouraging, to all the expert resources and support with my meds, couldn't do it without them. When you need to talk diabetes, Walgreens is here. Start managing your diabetes at walgreens.com slash diabetes. Welcome back to the kitchen table. Today, I am just I'm just pleased because every week I feel like we bring somebody in from our personal lives and we alternate in that. Last week, we got uh, Dr. Friesbrit, Sharon Friesbrit and Dr. Mm -hmm. Bridget Turner Kelly, which are a part of Kia's network of amazing genius (laughs) black women doctors. And this week we have one of my very best friends. You know that. You know Kia and I's friend group. You know how close we are. This is another side of my life. This is one of my very best friends, Erica. Hi. Um, and we want to have Erica on the show this week to close out Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And also, even though, yes, it's technically the top of November, but we had this scheduled in Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so it all counts. Um, and so we're gonna talk to Erica a little bit about her journey, about her journey within business, her journey with breast cancer, and you know all of the things that come along with that in conversation. So welcome to the kitchen table, Erica. I'm so happy you joined us. Hi, happy to be here. <laughs> Excited? Drink some of that wine, bitch. Listen I up. Because <laughs> I will not make it with these dr- one word dry. No, we no, won't. Trust me, we're not going to make it. Once I, once I start talking, you're going to be like, shut up. That's enough. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, just so you all know, Erica does not do anything within the media space realm whatsoever. So she already told me ahead of time. She was like, "No, why am I coming on here? What are we talking about?" I was like, "I think that you have great conversation, and you know, we like to have different Black women of different experiences." So, Erica, tell the people a little bit about yourself. I'm Erica. I'm from Oklahoma City, born and raised. I've never moved away. I'm a real estate developer have two kids, nine and 12, two boys, and a husband (laughs) for 18 years. Um, What else? I don't know. I like to uh, talk shit and have fun. What else is there? I don't know. That's 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 about me in a nutshell. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's a good start. (laughs) So since we are Let's start off. Let's start off a little bit about what you do, because I think it's really interesting. You don't find a lot of black women in the um, 
not in the in the real estate space. We do have a lot of black women in the real estate space, but in your realm, I feel like is a really white, predominantly white male space. Tell the people a little bit more about the real estate development and flex a little bit. Like tell <laughs> tell them what you tell them what you do it because this bitch be dropping shit like. I'm building a bank. And I'm like, what? <laughs> um, so I'm a real estate developer. But if you ask me, like, really, I would say I own a construction company because my sister mm-hmm. and I aren't together. We're partners. And we actually really just love construction. Um, we kind of backed into it a little bit. And I won't go into, like, the whole story um, of that because I could take it forever. But we actually thought we were going to uh, – we started off with the in- intention of – um, building rental properties for ourselves to kind of get a portfolio. We want a new construction. So it would be like less maintenance and all that. Um, along the way, we kind of like hated everybody we talked to as far as like the builders go. <laughs> it was just kind of like, if these guys can do it, we can do it. So we did. And we just started, we had a, um, a mentor for our first project and, um, yeah, we've been building houses ever since. And then a couple years ago, probably three years ago, we kind of, um, moved into the commercial realm and we started doing um, commercial construction, which we have a very small boutique firm. So it's Monique and I, and um, we have a bookkeeper, we have a superintendent. They're both subcontractors. So, you know, we we can pick and choose our jobs because they have low overhead. And then when we do commercial work, we have a partner, mm-hmm. um, a commercial partner who has a little bit um, larger infrastructure. So we have one of their superintendents that's basically flexes in and out on our jobs as they come. So what that means, like as housing has kind of like right now with the interest rates being crazy and everything being so expensive, we kind of lean more into commercial construction. Um, so we've done um, what's called adaptive reuse, which basically is like remodeling commercial buildings for new use. So we remodeled in elementary school and now it's a Boys and Girls Club. We took an old building that was um, like a auto repair shop and now it's a grocery store. So it's like adaptive reuse of these old spaces. Um, right now we're working on a boutique hotel. We're doing a design build, which is super exciting for me because I love the design part. Um, so we're working with the architects on all the design, tile, furniture, like every single aspect of the design, the pool layout, but it's a 77 room, uh, boutique hotel. It'll be 21 and up. So it's adults only, but it'll have like a cool, mm, like, yes. a cool, like pool, <laughs> like the whole thing is kind of centered around the pool. So it's like a pool club. Even if you're not staying at the hotel, you can buy like a day pass. We'll do like, you know, black ass parties on the weekends it's only four feet deep so nobody's gonna drown (laughs) um up top there's a rooftop bar and like an event space and stuff so it's really cool that's actually like was on my bucket list of things i've always wanted to do is do a hotel so Mm. i'm super excited about that it should be breaking ground in uh, december um but yeah we've been doing this almost seven years now and it's funny it's like i always love design and housing and stuff like that but i really developed a passion along the way for urbanism which is like walkability and you know density in urban spaces and making sure people have the amenities they need in the neighborhoods where they live so they can like access them um and doing that for people on a variety of like income levels and this that, and the other so it's not just like people who have money can move back downtown and take advantage of all the things it's also like a mix of housing sizes and types so it's more accessible to so many different diverse types of people not just racially diverse but also like economically diverse and all these things that like add to the fabric of communities um so even with that, um, so Monique and I, I don't know that there's many other um, women building, but there definitely wasn't before we got started. Uh, we see a few more now, but it's kind of cool in that aspect. Um, but I also helped start a, uh, a program called Placekeepers, which helps emerging developers 
um, mostly black developers, but it's minority developers, but most of the ones that have come along have been black developers. And you can, we kind of get them started, like the things they don't know, questions you can ask. We bring in developers, bring in bankers, bring in all these architects, like all these people who have done it before and kind of tell people like they have all these questions and kind of guide them along. And then when they go through that program, then they get a mentor who helps them kind of ease into it. Um, so that's been really rewarding. So that actually is a small program under another nonprofit. Now we're spinning it out to its own nonprofit. Um, so with that, we're getting trying to get some grants so we can do some affordable housing. And so we're going to do new construction, mm -hmm. but it'll be like, you know, basically up to the standard of any nice new construction you can find anywhere else, but the grants will help offset the, the difference in the income levels. And so that's, it's funny. It's like, I, uh, I didn't think I cared about those things till I found out I cared about those things. And now it's like kind of everything to me and I really, really, really love it. So yeah. So now, I mean, oh. we're supposed to be in um, our architectural digest in March and that's, Woo! that's like, we just found this out like two weeks ago. So I just told Jay today and I'm like so excited about that, that I'm just like, this is a lot, but um, you know, it's like leaning into the opportunities instead of like shying away from them, which is what I, I normally am reticent to be like, in the spotlight or like, we don't even like being the, like having our photos mm -hmm. taken or like interviews and stuff, but it's like, you know, sometimes you have to kind of, you know, lean into those things. So, cause you never know what might come from it. And we've had so many good opportunities and so many people we work with here in Oklahoma city. And it's funny cause it's a very white city. It's a very white city. Um, you know, mm -hmm. from the time you were here, but, um, and most of the people we work with are white. Like as far as like, we joined this organization called ULI, it's the urban land Institute. And it kind of has developers, architects, like city planners, like everybody who cares about like urbanism and like the urban core and trying to do those things. And so through that is how we've created this network with all these people. And I mean, some of these people have actually turned out to like be some of our really good friends at this point. Um, but mm -hmm. like I found this ecosystem to be super helpful, super supportive. Um, people aren't stingy with like information or any of those things. And so most of the good things that we've like come across and run into has been through the people we met through that organization. So I can't say enough good things about it, but mm -hmm. it's helped us along the way so much just like in like growing our business, having connections, people refer us to other people. Like it's been incredible. So I can't complain about anything. I've, it's been like really, really, really good seven years. That was definitely not one word. We are grateful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the growth. It happened so quickly. I um, told you, don't get me started. I will stop. No, I'm very grateful that you are and your sister are leaning into these opportunities to tell your story because it's an awesome and compelling story to tell that's inspiring, mm -hmm. um, you know, to, to anyone. I, I love, you know, one thing about black women, it's like, you know, that that button, that setting <laughs> that God programmed mm -hmm. us with, that's just like, I do it myself. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. sometimes yeah. I'll do it. Yes, you know that that is something that I think that is inherent and innate. It comes to us very naturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we are we are natural born innovators, and we have a way and an approach um, to doing just about anything that we do, and and so everything that we do in any space always brings about brings with it some level of ingenuity, fresh, fresh mm -hmm. eyes, fresh perspective. Mm -hmm. And I love the, the way that you guys are representing and making a name um, for us in, in this landscape. Um, I would love to know a little bit. So <clears throat> you made it sound real easy in that, you know. OK. That's why I said I skip all the details. It was a long ass you journey. Okay. Y'all was talking to, you know, and I mean, I love this because like Jay was saying, we've had 
tons of, not tons, but we've had several women on the show who were real estate agents and brokers and people who sell and um, mm-hmm. buy and sell within the real estate market. But this is our first time talking to a developer. And when you were talking, talking about your journey, you know, you, you talked about not really connecting with the people that you were meeting and then just deciding that this was something you were going to try to do on your own. So can you can you talk a little bit more about that decision and sure. um, maybe some things you guys learned in process? Because you made it sound like, yeah, we decided to do it. We just started. <laughs> and yeah, it wasn't as simple as that. Like I said, I kind of glazed over it because, I mean, that story could take two hours. Um, but the long and short of it is, it's like you meet, you, we met, we met a few builders, most of them build in the suburbs. And so we're in, um, the urban core, Oklahoma city is a huge 620 square miles. Okay. It's huge, huge, huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them only want to stay where they are. And if they don't, but they're coming to this like one off one project at a time, they're going to charge you more or they have mm-hmm. their systems and they don't want you to customize things beyond these few couple choices. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that just doesn't work for me. And then you meet them and talk to them and you're like, there's nothing like extraordinary about this guy. Like, what does right. he have that we don't Mediocrity. have? We can, right. That's, That's what thing. I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. we can do it. Like, your father gave you $100,000 and you started a company. Your father gave you a million dollars and you started. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we don't have that. But what we did have was good credit <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and low debt to income ratios. So, like, our first project, <laughs> we had to finance, like, personally ourselves. And so it's like, what can your, you know, and the first project was like $400,000 almost each because it was a duplex. Wow. Um, and we experienced, you know, the bank being like, we sh- we're not going to respect the comps for that area. The lady literally was like, um, I used to work over there. I know nothing's going to sell for this price. Like literally like racism at that point. And so the guy that we had mentoring us mm-hmm. on our first project, he was a white builder. And so we brought him to the meeting. And as soon as he walked in, she was like, oh my God, I feel so much better already just meeting you. I was like, wow. Yes. What? Literally, he, she said, <laughs> she said, if you believe in this project, I believe in it. I just need you to tell wow. me that this is okay. And we were just like, and he was so mad when we left. He was like, that bitch is racist. And we were like, listen, racism is a marathon. Yeah, it's not a sprint. We already know this, like, you know, when white people run into racism, they're just like, is this a thing? And I'm like, how do you not know this exactly. is a thing? He was so, like, he was red-faced <laughs> mad in the meat. Like, he was so upset. And I'm like, I appreciate your anger on our behalf. But like, this is what we deal with every we day. We deal with it every day. It. Like, yeah. you have to get the, develop a certain, like, thick skin for this. And like, he was just like appalled. Um... So we talked to builders, we talked to you build it, which I don't think you guys probably have, but it's basically a place where mm-hmm. they will be your contractor on paper for the bank. Cause you have to have a builder on paper usually. Um, but basically you GC, you general contract your own work. So they'll give you a list of a couple subs. They'll give you a, a construction schedule. They'll give you, um, like an Excel spreadsheet with like all the lines of a budget, but it's not filled in. And mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. we gotta do all this stuff ourselves. What are we paying them 30 grand for? So um, we had paid them our deposit, which I think was like $1,250 each. And um, they gave us the book, the workbook. And they're like, okay, come back. We'll do all these steps. And I was looking at this workbook and I'm just like, this is not anything. Like if they're not going to show up, if we still have to be on site every day, if they have to, like, why would we do this? So through our um, CPA, we found this builder, Todd, who helped us on our first one. And we paid him um, a fee and he was just like, call me anytime. He helped us. We didn't really have to call him too much. He went with us to uh, the city for permitting and stuff because we didn't know how to navigate that. But honestly, after that, mm-hmm. the subcontractors really taught us everything we know. Like we were on site every day, 7 a.m., 7 p.m. It's like they're telling us about joist hangers and like hurricane clips and like the code, like how far these electrical outlets have to be from each other. So all most of the like actual technical construction things we learned was from the subs on site. 
Um, and the re- and and it's funny, like the reason I say we're a construction company instead of usually I don't say we're developers. Somebody told me along the way, like if you're developing your own projects, you're a developer. Like if you're not just building something mm-hmm. else, somebody. And so I was like, oh yeah, like I can embrace that because, um, like I drew I draw the floor plans for all of our houses, and I don't have a background in that. I use grid paper and a ruler, and each square is two feet by two <laughs> feet, and I draft draw it out, and then I send it to our architect, and he drafts it out, and he you know makes it legal, puts it in CAD, and all that stuff. Um, but, and then I do all the interior design, Monique, um, her role was mainly, um, construction management. So she supervised the subcontractors. She scheduled them. She called them back and forth. You know, we both would be on site for things, but she was the main point of contact and the liaison for that. And then I did the designs work. So it's like making sure everything's ordered on site for installation, whenever it's due. Um, uh, along the way, like as we started building, people started asking us like, what are these? What are these? Are they for sale? Are they for rent? What are these? And so I just looked at her and I was like, we're going to sell these and then we're just going to keep selling more things. So like, let's just like roll with it. And if it dries up, then we can go back to our original plan and build some stuff and keep the rentals, but let's see where this goes. And it Mm -hmm. just like kind of like flourished and exploded. And we had a ton of like support and a ton of um, people who like loved our product. And like, we're building it in um, the East side of Oklahoma city, which is historically black. And I say historically still mostly black, but it's just been blighted for years. So there's so much, vacant land, empty properties that it was just like, but it's blocks away from downtown, like literally five blocks mm-hmm. from downtown. So I'm like, Which look at all this opportunity. Why not? Mm-hmm. And now of course, everybody, their mother's building over there and they're remodeling all the houses and stuff. But like seven years ago when we started, it wasn't the case. Like it was like really, really risky, which is why that banker was like, this is not going to, cause nothing had sold over there in at least 10 years, mm-hmm. probably 12. Um, but yeah, that's, so when I say that was in my nutshell, and this is a little bit more, but like there's so much that went into that first project, getting that first project off the ground that, um, yeah, after that, it was pretty much like, it was pretty, pretty easy after that. So after the first project, then we, now we have a model that's proven. So we go to a bank as Monarch, you know, mm-hmm. which is our company named Monarch. And so we go to the bank and it's like, here's our financials. And so then at that point, they're letting us build three or four houses at a time. So we were able to pick up the pace and like nice. kind of, you know, get it going. My sister, uh, she's a little less, um, you know, risk. She's risk averse where I'm not. <laughs> um, but she's mm-hmm. been, our, our parents are self-employed, but she's been like in um, corporate America since she graduated from college. I, uh, my husband has a window cleaning company. And so when I had my oldest child, I quit work and went and was his office manager. And honestly, working with him kind of letting he like cause I always would be like, are we gonna have enough money for payroll? Are we gonna have enough money for this? That and the other. He's just like, it's just money. We'll make some more. It'll come. Like the, for doing the right things, it'll come. Like he taught me about building systems. Like his company was like really, really growing at that time. So it's like we we're not just this like ragtag company with three or four guys. We have like a ten man crew. We have to be on top of scheduling and payroll and like everything that makes this company flow. So when we started our company, um, it's just like construction is just like anything else you build a system and you work the system you it's just a formula you know you pour a slab you do plumbing you do frame it you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying it's all the same it's just a matter of Mm -hmm. like managing those things and monique and i are both intelligent enough to like make that happen it's like you look at people that are doing this like if those guys can do it we can do it and not to hate on those guys that are doing it but you know what i mean it doesn't take anything in my view it didn't take anything extraordinary to do it it's just a matter of like how do we make ourselves like stand apart a little bit in this market where everything is kind of you know, the same. And, mm-hmm. and then at the same time, we didn't want to be like a novelty. Like, you know, it's like people would be like, oh, do you guys want to partner with us on this? Just because they want black faces or have black and women on their teams. So they can say, oh, we have minorities, minority participation stuff. It's like, no, we don't want to be your mascots. You can get these government contracts. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So we're going to get our yeah. own. Yeah. Um, so along the way, you know, there was some stuff we had to like sift through and work through. 
but it's I can't complain at all because it's been it's been amazing and I it's like our second careers because I'm 41 she's 43 um seven years ago none of it neither one of us saw ourselves doing this so it's been you did all this in seven years yeah, it's been a long seven years I yeah. just love that because I mean all the time people <laughs> people email us and and write in questions about like you know, I'm not really sure what's going to, like, you know, I just remember a couple, was it last week, Jade, or the week before, where the young lady sent us a, mm-hmm. a letter, and she uh, Yeah, was about like, two weeks ago. My life is not planned out, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was like, girl, don't nobody know. <laughs> no. <laughs> not a soul. We don't know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is not what Erica was doing when I when I met you. You were um, I was pregnant. Yeah, but I was in insurance. <laughs> I was doing insurance, um, property casual insurance, mm-hmm. and then I was pregnant, so you met me when I was quitting my job because I quit right before Cooper was born. And uh, that was 12 years mm-hmm. ago. He's 12 now. That's crazy. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. when you were here, I was pregnant. So I was kind of easing into working with Jason, which I had already been doing some stuff with him already. Like I was doing his books and like stuff like that, but he was scaling up. And so it was kind of a good time. And we really just like built out the systems that make that work. And it was kind of easy then to like take that like experience into this. And it's like mm-hmm. building, building this company out. And even... Like, my sister was on board, but she's much more hesitant. So she didn't even quit her job for the first uh, almost year uh, that we were doing mm-hmm. it. So she she's, like, doing sales calls in her car, and, like, she bring her outfits <laughs> change. I got to go make this appointment. And I'm like, yeah, do it. Yeah. Or she'll be like, I'm coming in at 9 today because I have to do a sales call. Cool, do it, you know? Um, and eventually she went ahead and quit. But, uh, no, nah, it, uh, it's stressful sometimes because you have to, you know, mm-hmm. you kill what you eat every we're always having to generate income. You know, you don't have the stability of a company that's just going to pay you every two weeks, no matter what. But you also have the freedom. Like she's out of town right now. Like I went for a two week vacation with my kids in August. They got COVID for two weeks. So it's like, I took almost a whole month of August off. And it's like, you have like the flexibility, like even when I was sick, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, I'm home. Like they would come to my house sometimes and work or whatever. Like we do, we do whatever we can to make it work, which is also the nice part about working with family because, um, it's just like more understanding about like life circumstances and how that's like pulling at you and stuff. And so it's like when she's dealing with something, I try to help offset. And when I'm dealing with something, she definitely helps offset. So, you know, that's, that's kind of priceless. And I don't know if working with a partner that wasn't family would be the same. I just know the experience I've had with her has been, has been that. So I'm very grateful for that. So you mentioned, you mentioned, um, being sick mm-hmm. uh there while you were talking so let's 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 pivot to that a little bit actually because this is a lot <laughs> you're telling Kia and I that you're on construction sites from morning to night I know you are because I'd be on the phone with you <laughs> uh and she's literally changing into boots to boots. walk around and it's hard hats and you're learning you know how shit works that I'll never know <laughs> and you're drawing out plans and you're momming and you're doing all these things and then, so tell me about, t- tell us about the start of your breast cancer journey and how that came, how that came to fruition. Cause that came kind of after another tumultuous time in your life. Um, so I, I was diagnosed in 2019, May of 2019. Um, my mother-in-law actually passed away on March 31st of 2019 from breast cancer. And mm-hmm. she had had it for two years. She told us when she first found out, um, and she had a mastectomy on one side, but not the other, which we didn't, I didn't know until we came back to where she was like so sick that we're bathing her and stuff. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know you still had your breath, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So she did chemo and radiation. We didn't find out till later that she never finished her chemo. It was really, really rough on her. She had triple negative 
breast cancer. So it wasn't responsive to any of the uh, hormone therapies and things like that. So she went to remission for a little while. Um, and then uh, in January of 2019, we were all supposed to go see my sister-in-law in Panama. And then at the timing didn't work out. So we were like, let's just push it back to spring break. And she was like, no, I'm going now. I need to go now. I need to go now. And we were just like, okay. She's like big on anniversaries and it was their anniversary. So she was like pressing to go. While she was there, she had like a blood vessel pop in her eye. So she went to the hospital. And then when she came back, she was just like really sick, wasn't eating. And then they go to the doctor and she finds out the cancer is like in her esophagus, her stomach, her bones, her brain. Like it was literally everywhere. And it was just like, everybody was just like, like it was just like devastating for everybody. Cause it's like, we, you know how older people, sometimes they just don't talk about their health. So we really didn't even know. She was like, a lot of times she had wrapped up her chemo as far as we know. And we thought she was like doing okay, you know? And then it's like, no, this is actually everywhere. And like, she hadn't been eating for three weeks and like, like all this stuff is kind of like snowballed. And then she went from like going to the hospital to a couple days later, she was like halfway coherent. Like she talked to you and then fall asleep and then talked to you like you just got there. And I'm like, oh, is this okay? But it was in her brain and stuff, you know? And they took her home for hospice. And I mean, two months and she was gone. And it was just like, it was crazy. And it was like intensely emotional and just like, everybody was just like white knuckle treatment for like two months, you know what I mean? It's just like, uh, my husband's brother is a nurse practitioner. So he was like giving her injections. Like they're doing all this stuff, like round the clock care, everybody, you know, I'm like, I got the kids. My husband's over there every day, you know, taking care of his mom, stuff like that. And, um, yeah, she just, she just didn't make it as, you know, maybe if we had known there could have been some stuff we could have like tried to help get ahead of it, but she didn't, she didn't want to talk about it with us and anything like that. So I had this lump in my chest. Um, and right after she passed away, my husband was like, you have to go get that checked out. We'll rewind. I had this mm -hmm. when I was pregnant with Grayson, my youngest son, who is now nine. So this is like 2012. He's born January 13. So 2012, I'm pregnant and I feel this lump in my chest. So I'm you know, going to Dr. This way. I was like, I don't know what this is. And I'm asking the doctor and she's like, OK, yeah, that's pretty big. Let's get an ultrasound. So I go to the ultrasound place. They look at it and it's a cyst. That's the ultrasound wand. If you didn't get that. Um, mm -hmm. so she's like, it's a cyst. <laughs> and so she tells me like, it'll get bigger and smaller. It's hormonal basically. So with your period, your cycle. And so it kind of, it would get big and small. I had large breasts. I had really large breasts. So this little lump, it wasn't, you know, so that, okay. So then I go get another checkup after I had Grayson and they, she's still checking. She's like, it feels the same. We'll keep an eye on it. And for some reason, I didn't go back to the gynecologist for like three or four years. I don't know why. So, uh, oh, yeah, no, I, no, not good. Somewhere right around that time is when they changed the rules for pap smears to where you don't have to have them every year. You have to have them every other. And so when I mm -hmm. missed that next year, I kind of missed like the next couple years. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. So my mother-in-law passes away. It just gets away from you. It gets it away from you. And it I had does. two little kids. You know, it does. And then I had to start this yeah. company. It's like the dentist. And it's just like, you got to be intentional just, about yes, keeping track of You really do. Yeah. Everything was just kind of rolling. Mm -hmm. So I, it kind of mm -hmm. just went out of mind. So his mom passed away and he's just like, you have to get this checked out. And it was bigger, but again, she's telling me it's gonna rise and fall, and so I didn't really pay that much attention. So I go to the doctor, and she's like, "Whoa!" And so she sends me for biopsy. They're like, uh, "Yes, you're. It's positive for cancer." So they did a, uh, they took a, they did a lumpectomy. They didn't take the whole thing. They took part of it to test it. Um, they did the uh, pathology on it, and uh, I had DCIS, which is uh, ductal carcinoma in situ, which means it's not moving, so it was non-invasive. Um, Mm -hmm. So at the same time, they tested my genetics. And so normally if you have DCIS, they can just do a lumpectomy, which just remove the lump and they'll do, they'll radiate the area and then they'll basically keep an eye on it. Mm -hmm. um, you do have a higher risk for recurrence of invasive breast cancer, 
Um, but that's the normal mm. treatment for it. So um, when they did my genetics, though, I had a, a CDH1 mutation, which is probably, mm. it's, it's for invasive breast cancer and gastric cancer. So mm. uh, at that time, I was like, what I do know about cancer is that it comes back, right? And I'm just like, let's do a double mastectomy. I don't want to have to worry about this for the rest of my life. Like, let's just do it. It's fine, whatever. So, so um, I had a I had the mastectomy in August of 2019, and it's funny dealing with the birth of my oldest son. The doctor almost almost bled to death having him, which made me wary of doctors. And then having this experience, I like really really don't like doctor. Like they're just when they say practicing medicine, they're literally practicing. Um, so this the plastic <laughs> surgeon was like, okay, so. Um, if we're going to do reconstruction, then, um, you know, we'll do it at the same time. We'll oh. put these spacers in, et cetera. And I was like, so I'm, at this point, I'm like, have talked to people about this. And I'm like, um, okay, first of all, I've been in a, th- I'm a 36E. I would love a B cup. Can we get a B cup? I don't want a big boobs. I don't want to replace what I had. I don't like, I would love a B cup. He was like, I'll decide what looks best on your body once we get in. And I was like, no, like, I, I don't, I know. I was like, I want a B cup. So he's like taking us. He's like, okay, okay, okay. So then he's like, okay, well, if the tissue is not viable at the time, we'll put a spacer. They put the spacer behind your pec muscle. We'll put it in a spacer and they inflate it like little by little over this time until there's enough tissue and space for them to put the implant. I said, if you can't do the um, reconstruction at the same time, I just want to be flat. And he was like, um, you know, most women change their mind. I was like, I just want to be flat. Like, I just want to be flat, please. And so he's like, okay, 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 okay. So surgery comes and my oncologist, the, my actual oncologist, I like him. He was great, Dr. Claros. Um, I should have gone to one of like the, the good cancer centers. There's a really good one in Tulsa. There's a really good one, you know, MD Anderson in Houston. Mm-hmm. But they had just opened this this uh, facility here locally and it had like all the same things. It's like an all-inclusive thing where they can do like this holistic care and everything. And, you know, online mm-hmm. reviews were really good, but who knows what that means. So anyway, we get into surgery. <laughs> and so the lump was in my left breast and this the lump is 13 centimeters by five centimeters by four centimeters. It's huge. It's like a long, like square wow. log. Um, yeah. And so they had to scrape out so much tissue that it made the, made where he couldn't do the implant on the left side right away. The right breast was healthy. So he was able to kind of do whatever, whatever he needs to do, leave the tissue. Um, so he comes out during surgery and my family kind of have gone to most of the appointments with me, my dad, my sister, my mom, Jason. Um, and so he comes out and he's like, we can do the one side, but I'm going to put a spacer in the other one. And then we'll come back and put the implant in later. And so my husband's like freaking out because he's like, we talked about all or nothing. We didn't talk about halfway, right? So fortunately, my sister and my dad were like, she says she don't want the spacer, no spacers, right? And so he's like, that helped, that made it easy because he's like, he's like, it's funny, even now we talk about it. And he's just like, I still wrestle with if I made the right decision or not. And I'm like, because I'm still flat. I never got reconstruction. Um, and I'm like, no, you made the right decision. I didn't want the spacer. And honestly, now I'm really glad I don't have that foreign object in my body. Not that, you know, implants are not for, they're for some people, they're just a one for me. I'm happy I don't have them now. But, so they told the doctor, you know, she doesn't want the spacers, don't do the implants. But he left me with this, I have like a, a underneath ring, almost like an underwire on my breasts, right? He cut her for breasts. He, he left the tissue because he's like, women always change their mind. I know you're going to want these later. And you need that little shelf to keep the implant from sliding down to your, you know. So honestly, that's the thing I'm most mad about. And he got fired right after me. And I'm like, why do I always have to be the last person before you get fired? You know what I mean? I guess he had already had some problems. 
Um, because the doctor who almost killed me when I had my other son, she got fired right after that too. Anyway, so I have these like weird, like half moon shape. It looks like, you know, we draw a winky face. It's got that little eye. It looks like that almost on both sides. <laughs> can you not, what, can, can you, you not? please, <laughs> right? Can you please not describe this like this? I don't know how else to describe it. You want me to, I can show you. <laughs> No, I've seen them. I've seen them. So, <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. I'm sorry. We'll post it on the website. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, yes, I was just really irritated because it's like, you didn't listen to me when I told you what size I wanted to be in the first place. You didn't listen when they told you I don't want the space. You know what I mean? And it's not like you make this decision that apparently all women want. You know what all women want, so you know I'm going to change my mind later. And so... It's such a man crazy. thing I know. Do. So I have to wear... Right. Now I have to wear like this, this like... It's not even a sports bra. It's almost like a compression. It's like this flattens everything out because yeah. they're so lumpy yeah. mm-hmm. and they're not lumpy in the same way. One is like different than the other. That, and I'm just like, this is so fucking weird. Okay, so it like, I don't really think about it that much, but it does make me self-conscious sometimes depending on what I'm wearing. Of like, are people looking at me and wondering mm-hmm. what are those lumpy boobs? Because what is that? <laughs> um, but I was just like, yeah, I was just irritated. So now I'm gonna have to have another surgery to fix it, to make it actually flat. Um, mm-hmm. which my oncologist that I do like, he was like, I can, he was like, I can write it in the notes. He's like, I've been documenting this. Cause I told him right away. I was so, so mad about this. He's like, I can write in the notes to where your insurance will cover it. Uh, and we can go ahead and make you flat. Mm-hmm. Like you want to just let me know and we'll do it. But honestly, I'm just like, F this hospital. <laughs> I'm just going to go, in a, I'm just gonna go <laughs> to a plastic surgeon. That's actually like good at what they do and have them flatten it out. So then I can wear t-shirts and stuff and don't have to wear this like compression bra. Mind you, my body is built for like a medium, but I have to wear every, like these bras have to be like extra small because they're, you know, they're built for girls that are like a double A cup or something. So to get this compression, I have like this band around my body that's constricting my ribs. And I'm just like, this is a lot. So it's, it's annoying. And then it goes like, you know how when you have big boobs, they go under your armpit, your boobs, you know, your boobs go all the way there. Mm-hmm. So the, the little thing goes all the way there. So I can't wear like a halter top because I have this like fleshy meaty parts on the side. It's annoying. So, um, recovery from that. So, and then they took my, my, uh, my first lymph node, um, during that surgery. So I didn't actually have to get radiation or chemo. Like it's actually like, it's funny because it's almost like somebody said to me, Oh, you're a survivor. And it's like, I don't even really think of myself that way sometimes because I didn't have this like huge struggle of like chemo and losing my hair and like radiation, all this stuff. And then seeing my mother-in-law had just passed away and her struggle was like, so much different and then I had an aunt that had passed away two years before that and hers was almost exactly the same as my mother-in-law's it was just like this downhill thing they tried to radiate they tried to like chemo the hell out of it and they just couldn't do it in time so I'm just like my husband's like how do you feel about it like you should go to therapy you should talk about it I'm just like no I'm good I'm not dead so I'm fine you know what I mean that you just like kind of keep moving and it's mm-hmm. like I never like really processed it until probably like COVID and it's like you're just sitting around like thinking about stuff and it's just like geez like I don't I don't miss my breasts uh, mm-hmm. most of the time. I miss the nipples. The nipples, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> but I don't miss them. Like, in day-to-day life, I don't miss them. I don't really even, like, feel it anymore. I have these, like, shooting pains that kind of go across uh, mm-hmm. from time to time. And I say time to time. It's usually daily, but they're not really, really bad. Sometimes they get really bad and have to take, like, muscle relax or something. But it's, like, a nerve, the nerve pain from where the... Mm-hmm. Um, the incisions and stuff were, but overall it was, it was honestly like best case scenario, I guess, if you're thinking about like cancer diagnosis, cause it hadn't spread yet. And so, um, I was super grateful for that. So then I go back, you know, go for like your six month checkup and they go back to my year checkup and I don't have implants. So I don't have to do the MRI. My doctor can just basically do a, 
um, a manual breast exam. And then he looks at my chart and he's like, why do you still have your stomach? And I was like, cause I like it. What do you mean? And he's like, no, <laughs> you have the CDH1 gene mutation. You're supposed to have your stomach removed. And I'm like, what the hell do you mean? Have my stomach removed? He's like, you had your breast removed because of the, he's like, not because of the uh, DCIS, but because of the possibility of the invasive cancer because of your genetics. He's like, your chances for having stomach cancer are just as high. You should have, he's, <laughs> and this was like, I was 39 at the time. Um, so he's like, you need to have this done. Like you need to go, he's like, I'm referring you right now to get strong. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I go meet the lady. And she's like, most people who have this gene have their stomachs removed by the time they're 40. And I was like, bitch, I'll be 40 next month. She was like, I know. So we need to get you scheduled. And I was like, at this point, mm -hmm. I'm like, if I do this, like my whole life changes. Because now you start reading about, um, like once you have your stomach removed, because you can't keep the sphincter, you can't keep the sphincter to your esophagus and you can't keep the sphincter to your small intestines. So it's basically they mm -hmm. sew it together. The small intestines um, goes, I mean, your esophagus goes straight to your small intestines and they can use a little piece of your intestine and make a little pouch. So you have like a little four ounce stomach, but basically like all the stuff that your stomach does to digest and like pull the stuff out, it, that's not going to happen. It's going to go straight to your, so you go to like early onset osteoporosis. Uh, you'll start, Ooh. your hair will start thinning. You'll have to take all these like nutrients and supplements that you're not normally your stomach would absorb. But I'm just like, okay, um, why is this so urgent? You know what I mean? Because it's like, what are the chances? And she's like, well, do you have it in your family? My grandfather on my dad's side, my grandfather and my uncle both died of gastric cancer. Um, mind you, I didn't know this until I found out I had this mutation because they both were heavy smokers and I thought they had died of lung cancer because I was young when they died. And um, my dad's like, no, stomach cancer. And um, there's so many lymph nodes around your stomach that the doctor was in, it doesn't form a, like a tumor like normal. It's what they call a dispersed tumor. So it's like all these little cells, you know how your stomach looks like a sponge almost. The cells just disperse out there. So it's hard for them to just like see it on a scan. And I'm like, I can't lose my stomach. Like I love food. I like, that's the only thing I care about in life. It's like, you know, food and it's like all this stuff. And I'm just like, how can I? And then on top of that, they're like, you can't drive. You won't be able to drive really because if you eat something and it goes straight to your small intestines, it'll make your blood sugar spike. You could pass out on the road. And I'm just like, what is life going to be without the stomach? Right. You can't lay down after you eat. It'll just like come back up because of course you don't Ooh, have those fingers, which hold everything in place. And she said, because of all the lymph nodes, if you get stomach cancer, it spreads so quickly to be in your liver, your pancreas, your lungs before you know it, and we won't have the time to catch it. And I'm just like, well, what can we do? She said, well, we can do screening instead. So every six months I get an endoscopy and they do a stomach scope with a biopsy and they take like 200 samples because they have to take it from all over because they disperse. Um, but let me tell you, that test is 27 grand. And oh my, God. my insurance covers it, thankfully. Um, but... I'm like, man, if I didn't have insurance, I don't know what I would do because I'd just be out here rolling these dice because I can't pay for that twice a year. Um, I'm actually due for one coming up in February. So I do like February and August. Um, and, you know, it's anesthesia and you're like, they put me all the way under. They have to put this guard in there so I don't break my teeth. And they do the stomach scope. Um, and then in July, I had to have a colonoscopy. So now they're checking like everything. So it's just, mm, um, I told them, I'm not, okay, yeah, I told them I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having my, I'm not having my stomach removed. What can we do? Ooh, the alternate. And you know, it's still a roll of the dice because if it pops up in between, she was like, even six months is a lot because like my grandfather found out he was sick in September. He was dead by November. Cause funeral was like early, oh, de early December. So she's like, even in that six months, something could happen. And I'm like, you know, my quality of life is more important to me than like prolonging this forever in a miserable state. Um, like, so I'm going to keep doing these scopes and keep doing this like preventative, like 
we'll check and see and hope for the best. But at this point, I'm not having my stomach removed, but I mean, hopefully that, that decision doesn't come back to bite me. But um, yeah, so. That's interesting. That's an interest. I mean, it's crazy because that's a realistic viewpoint that where you have to choose between yeah. your quality of life and the extension of yeah. your life. It was an easy decision with the breasts, honestly, because it's like these are just I mean, and everybody feels differently about their body. But for me, I'm just like, if I don't have my breasts, that doesn't change me. That doesn't change like anything about my life. Hasn't changed my sex life. Like nothing's been different. It's just like I just don't have these change like removing my stomach is a whole different beast that'd be like i'd have to basically eat like oatmeal gruel vitamin mix every day it's like you know me and my kids and my husband like we love to travel and all we do when we travel is eat and it's like my, i'm teaching my kids how to cook now and it's like so much of our thing is like centered around food and meals and like all oh, that man. we're writing a cookbook i don't think i told you me and the boys are writing a cookbook and it's just like yeah i don't like that would literally like it would, it would change my life in ways that I'm not, I'm not cool with. So it's like you, mm -hmm. the trade-offs and like the decisions you have to make. But my kids also know that I have that mutation and they don't know like the imminence of it. But uh, the reason I had my breast removed was to remove the stress of having to worry about this coming back forever. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like that didn't actually remove the stress and I have to worry about it in my stomach. However, mm -hmm. um, we'll see. So... Have me back on for a team reunion and see where I'm at. <laughs> no, I'm, I don't know. But what I'm hearing is so aggravating. That's so, what I hear, so, I heard so many things and you just sharing your story. I'm hearing the importance of us uh, going to the doctor and getting our screenings and doing testing and, but also being informed so that we can not wholly rely on the, the medical opinion, mm -hmm. but to make like mm -hmm. informed empowered choices about our lives Ourselves. and the quality mm -hmm. of life that we want to have and um identifying options um, because you know a lot of times medical professionals want you to believe that you only have one option but that's not always that's not always the case and so mm -hmm. and i also wanted to say i know it's kind of it feels really i'm sure it will feel because I, I don't i've not had this experience before but i'm sure it probably does feel like when it came to the breast cancer you got um that you're not really a survivor because you didn't have to deal with such an extreme um treatment sort of yeah i have to go those treatment, hard treatments yeah. yeah but at mm -hmm. the same time though it's you have you have navigated some very scary choices um mm -hmm. and have had to negotiate some circumstances that a lot that are unthinkable for for many of us and so mm -hmm. i just want to just acknowledge how powerful that is and you know that is absolutely something that you not only just survived but you have thrived in and have developed absolutely a skill set um, to, to do so and are such an example for your for your children and for a lot of us listening to the show. Um, so just shout out to you because I'm sure there are women, men, people listening who are also sort of negotiating different diagnoses yeah. um, of all I will, kinds. I will say this to that. So in some ways, yes, but also in some ways, a lot of it was me just not like dealing with things head on. Because I'm looking at them in the perspective of like, okay, I didn't die. So what, what do I have to complain about? That doesn't mean the situation wasn't hard. That doesn't mean you didn't lose something. That doesn't right. mean you didn't go through a thing. I'm like, comparatively, right. like she just died. Like uh, Jade knows I was in this plane when the engine blew out. And it's like, 
uh, that could have been a crash. Yo, that was nuts. And it's like, yeah, when I landed, I never went to a, I never went to talk to a therapist about that. I was just like, yeah, but I'm not dead. Somebody actually died on that plane. It wasn't me. So what do I have to be mad about? You know what I mean? And it's like, there's only so much of that, like, moving on, like, push your past and move on that you can do. It's just, like, building up inside you. And over the course of, like, all those years, then it's like, it all kind of came out at once. So now it's, like, starting to, like, understand, like, you're not actually dealing with anything. You need to actually, like, think about what you lost. Not in a way of, like, mourning it, but just like acknowledge like what you've been through. Acknowledge that just because you didn't have it as bad as somebody else that you still had to deal with the thing. And like, yeah, I might be okay with losing my breasts, but I still lost my breasts. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's not nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, like the, the threat of the stomach cancer, it's like, that's not nothing. So it's like thinking through those things. And when I started actually thinking through those things, it's like suddenly I'm like feeling everything like hardcore. And it's yeah. just like, I'm just like emotional as hell. And it's just like, everything makes me feel like and I was like, man, I don't like feeling like that. I'm very like emotion controlled and not in a, like a repressed kind of way. I just don't think that I have those extremes of like anger or like mad or like sadness about like, I don't dwell in like, oh, feel sorry for me. Like, I don't, and not that people dwell in that space that, that have these issues, but it's just like, to me, it's just like, yeah, we, we did it. We made the decision. We're moving on. We're moving on. We're moving on. And it's like only so much of that you can do before it just builds up into this like, like bunch of shit you haven't ever dealt with. And then then it came out in like ways that like affected my marriage and like affected Mm -hmm. like everything. It's like, like everything was affected because I didn't like deal with these things in like a healthy way from the beginning. And, uh, even like the plane, my husband was just like, when the plane thing happened, he's just like, why are you not going to see a therapist? Like they'll pay for it. Like you can. And I'm just like, cause I'm fine. But every time I would get on plane, my body, I would have like this panic attack. And mentally, I'm not worried about this flight, but my body's telling me you should be scared. And so I just started taking a gummy before I fly instead of dealing with it. You know what I mean? I'm like, by the time this plane takes off, I'll be asleep. So it's fine. And it's like, no, you're just like finding ways to avoid the conflicts and like the things you've had issues with. That kind of coping is something that we have that's unfortunately been modeled for us as black women all of our lives. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. we didn't always have time. Yeah. You know, our mamas mm-hmm. and grandmamas didn't have time to sit and cry about the terrible traumas and things yeah. that we've experienced. We got too much stuff to handle. Time. Yeah. We had so much stuff to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I mean, I honor that. And I wasn't saying that from a place of, you know, any uh, anywhere, really. Just acknowledging that that resonated with me. And mm-hmm. so you sharing your story. Um, you know, it's helpful to me and I'm sure it's helpful to others. Um, and just know that you're not in it alone because a lot of us are still working through, you know, how do we sort of process this trauma? Um, and, and like you said, not in a place where we sort of dwell in it all of the time and be Mm -hmm. consumed by it, but honor it in a way that, um, acknowledges the labor uh, that we've had to endure to sort of ne- negotiate it yeah. and be real and honest about the good, the bad, the painful, yeah. the tragic, the yeah. unthinkable. Um, so that, like, yeah, just wanted to raise that. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's funny that you say that though, but it's like, we, I don't know. It's like, you just don't want me. I don't say we, I don't like people worrying about me. So even when I found out I was sick, I only told like six people, told Jade, I told a couple other friends, it's just like, hey, because in case I die, I don't want you to not know what was going on with me or whatever. You know what I mean? Because these are my close people. Um, But also, it's like, you're cutting out so much support that you could have while you go through these things. Or people who have been through the same thing that could give you, like, help talk you through the journey because they've been through it. And it's like, you don't even understand the support you're missing out on by trying to be private. 
And then people find out later, they're like, why didn't you tell me, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, it's not, it wasn't about you. I'm just trying to be like private. I don't want people like worrying about me, calling me like, are you okay, are you okay? But like, you actually need that support. And it's like, why would you shun it? Because it's like, I don't want to inconvenience somebody else's life. And it's like, no, that's what friends are for. That's what family's for. That's what support's yes. for. And it's like, if you actually like let people love you and let people help you, then it's much more like, it didn't feel lonely, but it was definitely like, um, in a, in a quiet, like in secret almost, you know? So it's not like mm. I'm doing this by myself. Cause my family, you know, my parents were great. My dad came to every single point. Mm. He's got all this research, you know, my dad's a hardcore researcher. Um, mm -hmm. they're like, what can we do? We'll take the kids. We'll do whatever you need. You know? Um, my sister's like, I got work. The girl that was working with us at the time, she would pick my kids up from school to take them to my husband. And she would like bring me stuff back and forth. That Like I had help. But it's like the emotional support that you get from like, just like friends and your community and people who have been through it is different. Mm -hmm. And I didn't ever like allow that to happen because I was so worried about like protecting yeah. other people from having to worry about me. And it's like mm -hmm. so much of the, we were talking about like black women, we just like keep it moving. It's like part of that, that's even part of it. Just like, this is my cross mm -hmm. to bear. You shouldn't have to deal with it. You got enough yes. going on. I don't want to put yes. this, my, yes. my stuff on you, but yeah. I, yeah. Shout I, out to you. Shout out to you a little bit differently. <laughs> You're doing all yes. of this relearning. You're doing it in real time. Yeah. It's really dope mm -hmm. to see. It makes me think of Jade, uh, the Tashara, the young lady. We had a mm -hmm. breast cancer survivor to sort of open up our conversations in October. And mm -hmm. um, one of the most powerful things that she said that I still think about, I probably will take it with me for a long, long time, is that she said, and I mean, you're talking to someone who also I've, I've not dealt with, with, um, cancer but have dealt with you know a t tricky diagnosis well you know difficult diagnosis I've dealt with loss I've dealt with grief mm -hmm. and Tashira said sometimes um you know it it doesn't it doesn't make you like wish that you experienced this you know thing but like sometimes the difficult unthinkable thing in your life that you've that you've had to endure. Sometimes that's the thing that was used to teach you how loved you are, to teach you mm -hmm. how strong you are, and to really like, you know, help you to change your perspective in a way. Cause she talked about how her journey with cancer really show her the amazing support system that she had around her. Mm -hmm. And so hearing you say the same thing. Um, and not only recognizing the support system, but it was also the means by which you recognize that, hey, I was cutting myself off from all these other things in my life. I wasn't giving myself the opportunity to embrace all these other aspects of me because I was so consumed with the things we're taught to be consumed with, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. not, you know, being helpful, not being a burden, doing well in school or being successful by conventional trappings of success. But it's like mm -hmm. all of that stuff is one thing, but there's so much more to like living a life and having a quality of life yeah. that mm -hmm. if you're not careful, all that busy work will just distract you from Absolutely. it. Mm -hmm. So shout out to you for yeah. doing this on um, this relearning. And I know you've had to deal with some really hard things in the process, but what has really inspired me in this conversation 
is that sometimes the hardest things that we have to deal with or have dealt with in our lives are the very thing, and I speak for myself, the very thing that God uses to show me how much he loves me, how much he rides for me, how much regardless of all of the ways that I beat myself up and tear myself down, look at all of the ways that when it's, when the rubber meets the road, you know, he's always proven to be faithful through the ways that people have supported me and the opportunities that he's blessed me to have. So this has been, this has been dope and I'm, I'm grateful to meet you and I'm really excited about, um, not only that, I mean, this is this just, archi- this is like this architectural digest architectural stuff. We haven't even like, talked about the fact that you be building hotels. <laughs> right? Hotel, <laughs> banks, restaurants. Are you Come kidding? on, Rich. Oh, Come man. through. And you did all that through this, and I think that's awesome, but I think the, the, the most beautiful thing about being your friend, and listen, Erica and I don't, sh- we share intimate moments, but we also... We were two two terrible niggas. Yes, mostly. most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> even the way that she, even the way she told me, she flew. I was going to Houston. She said, "You're going to Houston. I'm going to come meet you because if we're so anywhere in a in a close in enough region, we'll figure out a way. Yeah. Right? We'll figure out a way." So she goes, "I'm going to come meet you." I said, "Okay." So she comes to meet me, and she comes over Nikki Nikki's house, mm-hmm. and Nikki went to go do something, and we're in the smoke room, and she said. So, no, Nikki was there when we talked about it. Remember I said I had something to tell no, you? Nikki was there when we talked about oh, it. Oh, yeah, she, she was. was. Yeah, she was sitting yeah, she there. Yeah, she was sitting there. She was, because she, she was, was like, oh my God, should I be here for this? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like, wait, what's happening? She's like, remember I said I had something to tell you? I was like, yeah, what, you like, you getting divorced? Like, what's happening? And she was like, no, I, I have breast cancer. cancer. And I was yeah. like, okay. And she's like, it's fine. It's okay. You're like, I'm going to be good. I just wanted to let you know, and I didn't want to tell you on the phone. And I was like, bitch, I don't know how to process this right very now and Mm -hmm. to watch you um evolve in even addressing and acknowledging how things have made you feel and revisiting how they've made you feel in those moments even if it wasn't in that moment i think it's beautiful to watch your emotional evolution and to see how important you've taken therapy yeah and all the tools you, she's gotten into this bitch we talking self-help books now Listen, all, the books, therapy. all the books like all the you things you know what's funny about about that me coming to tell you that way it's like i was so worried about you you know what I mean? It's like, I got to make sure I make this off for you. And I got to make sure you're okay with hearing this. And I got to, you know what I mean? And not that you shouldn't care about how your friends feel, but it's like, I'm dealing with this thing and I'm still trying to make sure, not that I'm like this super unselfish bitch by any means, but you know what I mean? It's like, you try to make, no, you try to make course. a soft landing place for people, even when it's like, Hey, I'm here. I need some support, but I'm trying to make sure you're good, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I don't want to tell you on the phone because I don't want you to be upset. And I don't want, you know, and all this stuff. And it's just like, at a certain point, you have to, sometimes you do have to be selfish and be like, I need to make sure I'm yeah, okay and I need to make sure I'm taken care of and all this other stuff. And not that I wasn't taken care of or whatever, but it's like, even if it's funny, you retelling that, it's like, yeah, I'm trying to make sure you you have a soft landing for this news versus like, because I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It'll Instead be fine. Instead of being like, can we just I need cry about support. this for a minute? Like, yes. Can yeah. we just, yeah. Right. Can we just, and just that being right okay. Now. Yeah. That being okay. Yeah. The way yeah. we got to recondition ourselves yeah. and think about. And, and know this. You know? I've cried with Jade many times. So it's not even like, a, I don't want you to see me cry. It was just like, right now, I want to make sure you're okay with hearing this because I know how I would feel if my friend told me I have breast cancer because it's just like, you know, those words are so heavy and it's like, what could that mean? You know? And it's just like, I want to make sure you're not freaking out right now. This will be fine. 
mind and it's like you know mm-hmm. hey can I just come lay on your lap and you rub my hair and I'm just gonna cry yeah. <laughs> for an hour or whatever exactly. you know which is sometimes just what you need or want it's like you just need like to feel some love from your your friends and your family and your people mm-hmm. um it's funny it wasn't until I came in June and uh did that little trip with you that like I started mm-hmm. processing all this stuff and it's funny because I told Jason about that after. I was like, yeah, I did these mushrooms. And he's just like, what? And I'm like, bro, everything, <laughs> it, like everything came, everything, like dealing with the birth of my mm-hmm. oldest son that I almost died that time. Like I'm having like these memories of things that I didn't even remember. Like if you asked me about it, I wouldn't have remembered those details. Like I could just feel like the anxiety and all the stuff that was happening in that moment. It was like releasing it. And then it's like, I'm thinking about like this breast cancer, like the diagnosis and like everything dealing with this. Like you're just like mm-hmm. feeling it releasing. And at that point is when I started just like feeling everything. And I was just like, why have, I'm not a person who like leads into my emotions necessarily because it's just like, yeah, you're sad, but you'll be okay. Yeah, this sucks right now, but you'll mm-hmm. be okay. And it's like to actually just be like, it's okay to sit here and feel this for as long as you need to and like absorb it and then figure out the plan. I'm always like, what are we gonna do to fix it? What are we gonna do to fix it? I'm like the solutions mm-hmm. guy. Okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And it's like, that's not always the mode you have to be in. And it's like, if you keep doing that, you're actually gonna have more of an adverse effect on your own mental state. And at that point, your physical state, because you're just like holding all this like negative energy. And I, it actually helped me learn how to release a lot of that shit. And it's like, I, mm-hmm. the, the journey was rough. Your body like a construction No, site. no, put these boots on it, <laughs> keep these boots on it, keep walking. No, you actually have to like get into the, get into the details, the minutia of it. Treat your body like a construction site. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you, can. you cannot. You know, she's like, we went to the construction site, we learned how to do this, we learned how to do this. If this, we have to pivot this way. Nah, you gotta take a little bit more time. Yeah. And I think that you've, You've been really intentional about doing that, especially in the last couple of years. And it's been beautiful to see. But so. it also makes me like love, love yeah. better and like feel the good things better more than I did before, oh, which yes. I didn't realize that was like, it makes me feel everything more. And that's like, the place where I'm trying to get to. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause I think when you embrace your feelings, like you said, and you, f- you start to allow yourself to feel, you know, mm-hmm. you not only feel the good, the, b- the bad, but you feel the good. Mm-hmm. And when you're not accustomed to feeling the good, it can be scary or off-putting. It can be like, overwhelming. You know, when yes. you've been in, when in a dark room mm-hmm. and somebody turns the lights on really fast, it hurts your eyes before, before you start to see. You get adjusted. Yes, absolutely. So like, and for me, the, the, you know, I get, I get nervous. When good things happen, I don't trust it. It's like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. <laughs> she does. Oh, wait a minute now. She's Let's like, no, why is this good down? thing yeah. happening in a minute? Yeah. Like, What's, like, what, what, what bad is getting what ready to happen? Let's happen. all right. settle down <laughs> because yeah. it's just a matter of time. Yeah, you're like, this is going to even out. It's something bad's going to happen. Here we go. All right now, you guys calm yourselves down because it's coming. But like, yeah. But, I know but what that you mean. Is, yeah. yeah, but that that's like a, that's the, the difficulty of 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 um this relearning i feel like i've tried it that's how i conceptualize it like i'm unlearning reprogramming myself my mind to, to literally yeah. think a different way and that is more than a notion that is more than just saying Absolutely. oh i'm gonna think about that differently it requires yeah. practice mm-hmm. yeah you're building a muscle mm-hmm. yeah it's funny it's like now that i'm in my 40s and like dealing with all this and whatever and i don't know how old you are but i know jay's what 36 but it's like i'll be 40 in just a few moments well no two months um i actually understand the concept like i understand the midlife crisis thing you know it's like it's not a crisis you actually just like know yourself you know what you want you know what you can stand like, for you know what you won't stand for and, and it like, feels that can feel like crisis though it feels like crisis sometimes it and it's also very liberating it's once like, you understand what it is and it's like yes 
this is not like I just oh you get to 40 and it's like your kids are grown halfway and like all these things and it's just like what am I doing with my life and for me this health thing happened and then like even starting a new career in my mid-30s and like all these other things it kind of like was like the perfect ball of energy to get me to this I won't call it a midlife crisis it's more of like a rebirth almost because like mm -hmm. I'm learning so much things so many things about myself so many things that motivate me like the ways I move out of fear the ways I've been judgmental the ways I'm like don't deal with things the ways I'm like emotionally stunted, the ways I'm like overly emotional. You know what I mean? You like learn so much about your stuff yourself that at this point you're like, I know what I want. I know what I like. And I'm going to like make sure I'm happy and I make sure I take care of people I love. And it's like, you look at people, it's like, oh man, that dude's like 45. Why'd he buy a Ferrari and got his ear pierced? But he's like, look, I'm 45. Why not? You know what I mean? And I'm like, now nah, I get yeah. it. Cause at this point I'm just like, why not? Every opportunity I have, me and the me and the family we travel every like I want y'all to experience as much of the world as you can because I didn't grow up like dirt poor by any means but we couldn't travel we have there's four kids in my right. family like my parents had a janitorial company like we all clean buildings at night like we had stuff but we went camping for vacations and I'm like I want y'all to see as much of the world as possible and fortunately and by no means are we like wealthy or anything but with our business we get enough airline miles and whatnot we can go I have paid for I have paid for flights in like seven or eight years but I'm like as much as we can get away I want y'all to see the world I want you to see how the people live I want you to experience as much as you can because like life is not just Oklahoma City and these like this little family this little pod and um dealing with this situation is just like it's not like let's live life to the fullest while we can, but it's also like, why aren't you living life to the fullest if you can kind of mentality? It's just mm -hmm. like, why not go on a vacation this weekend? I don't have shit else to do. Why not? And mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be Dallas. Could, we could go to Morocco for the weekend if we want to. We could go to fucking Vancouver if we want to. We could do whatever we Come want now. within these, you know, what that's, and we're able to. Obviously, I'm not trying to go into debt over that vacation, but you know what I mean? Like as much as we can. And <laughs> mm -hmm. I, you're living. yeah, we're living. And I want my kids to understand like, that there's opportunities and there's like life outside of this little bubble you live in and people are different. And I think the exposure that they have, I like love living vicariously through them and seeing them experience all these things. And it, even we were talking about food earlier, it's just like all the places you can go and all the things you can eat and you learn so much about cultures and things from the food they eat. And it's like, how did y'all even get to these things? And it's like, I, all the things I just like really, really love, I'm just like learning to embrace it differently than I ever did before, I think. So I think that's the thing I'm most grateful for that's come out of this whole ordeal. That we're so grateful for you so coming grateful. to to come and share that story. And I know y'all didn't expect it to pivot that way from the construction conversation, but <laughs> I thought it would be awesome for other black uh, black women in construction, developers, real estate, to kind of hear a bit of that, and then also to pivot to hear a lot of your personal journey because there's been so much growth. We're gonna we we're gonna take you up on that. Um, on that 10 year offer. <laughs> Hell yeah. Tell us about your stomach. <laughs> I no, want to know right. what the updates are on your stuff. I got to make sure my eating partner is still in place. I mean, listen, the main thing I've cut out of my diet at this point is sugar. Um, mm -hmm. I cut, I was like basically keto for a little while there. Like we went like hardcore mm -hmm. without all the extra fat. Like that's a lot of fat. Like you have to lather on everything. It but so much cheese. Um, yes. So I'm back to eating carbs. Like I eat bread and pasta and stuff. I just really try to keep sugar like out. Cause you know, sugar is like cancer's favorite thing to eat. So um she saves up all her good stuff it's, for yes our for our trips because i don't even really i don't even really <laughs> eat the way i eat with you when i go with them 
Hell sure, no. You know. Nigga, I don't eat like that every day. <laughs> I don't eat like that all the time. <laughs> you know, it would be a lot. It would be a lot. But yeah. Eating with Jade like, is what a, of everything, is, please? Eating with Jade is an exercise in luxury. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. baby. Like, Do you want that? Air hey, could, let's get three Eric could be with the shit. Let's get three of like, them. Get Shall these two cocktails. Get I'll get these two yes. cocktails. We're going to get one of everything on the menu. We're getting one of everything. We're eating family style. Yes, this is my type of time. We're eating family style. We're getting one of everything. What do you mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I love you. Love you too. Um, I love you too. I love you too. Kia, Kia, love I've, heard, I've heard so much about you. I'm so happy to meet you finally. I know. Yeah. I'm coming to eat with you guys. I mean, I'm not, I don't say eat less. that oh, much, listen, listen, but we, I will we be We pulling there. up for the hotel. I say, opening, don't, don't tell so. me with a good time. Yes. Okay. Put <laughs> room for me on the rooftop. <laughs> Please accept my reservation right now. Thank you. Got you. And I don't want no white people in the pool with me. Segregation <laughs> now. Segregation today. Segregation, segregation forever. I'm just playing. Hilarious. Hilarious. Oh I'm just God. playing. I'm just playing. Don't Kanye <laughs> me. Don't Kanye. <laughs> Oh I'm just gosh. joking. All right, Erica, we're gonna we're gonna see you when you come back and visit us, guys. I hope that you all in, enjoy this. We're gonna also plug Erica's um, firm uh, in the comments and in the description box so that you can check out all of her business happenings and so forth and so on. But I'm not plugging her personal page because that's none of your business. <laughs> you anyway, <laughs> we will see you for the next segment. I deserve. All right, uh, it is self-care time. And I had to think a little long and hard this week, not going to lie to you all about what my self-care was. But I think ultimately it was what I, what I touched on in the beginning, this uh, Noah being home today. It was nice to just take, I mean, there was a lot, you know, we, you, we were in the messages. We're hmm. finishing up, you know, we're in post-production of this. We got our stuff launching. We got regular work. We've got our stuff going. And then, um, you know, so there was stuff to be done. There's still pants being shipped out. Oh, yes. uh, there's a restock coming for you all soon. I just wanted to make sure every order was completed because you all flooded me with your love. Um, but in the midst of all that, Noah's braids needed to be taken out and I needed to take advantage of a few hours to be able to do that before we recorded. And so I sat down um, and set everything up and started taking her braids out. And we watched uh, the new Jordan Peele movie on Netflix, um, Wendell and Wendell and Wild, I think is what it's called. Nice. Um, so we just watched that and I took her braids out and it was nice to just spend a little bit of quality time, even if it was just like taking braids out and watching a movie, it just felt good to be able to sit down and do that. So I think that was my self-care this week. That was just a very small moment that that I think I needed as well. Perfect. Yes, but my um my self-care is is uh very simple but very important to me. You'll notice mm -hmm. for our Patreon uh, subscribers I've purchased myself a what I have what I am terming a corporate door knocker <laughs> oh it's downsized it's downsized but still giving that door knocker feel but it yes. is it's a little less it's a little more understated yeah more of a hoop <laughs> more of a hoop than mm -hmm. an actual door knocker 
Yes. Um, but still very true to my aesthetic. I love um, them. And I am just pleased as punch. But I purchased them at the Sable Collective, if you're interested. Yes! Shout out to our sister Shout Shanti. To Shanti. Shanti's been getting a lot of my money lately. I've been uh, sort of... It. I'm enjoying... Um, her jewel, the jewelry there at the Sable Collective. Yeah, it's Loving a it's a all really the good time. They're gold filled, gold and gold filled. They don't mm-hmm. tarnish. They're well made. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. They really are. And you have so many diverse pieces because uh, Sable Collective is a collection of um, black and brown women artisans, mm-hmm. uh, jewelry makers, and 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 everybody in between. So. Um, you're getting such a variety of things too. I think there's something for so many people's different aesthetics and it really celebrates us as black women. It's a, it's a, it's a place. It's a hub. I love it. But yes, that's my my self care. My work door knockers. I've been doing a little bit more. I'm slowly getting into, into falls, uh, remote work, right? Sort of buying lots of sweaters and cardigans, Yes. To wear over my workout clothes <laughs> when I have yes. to get on camera for my meetings. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's what I've been. That's what I've been doing in self care. Come on, corporate athleisure. Corporate okay. athleisure. She's like, I needed to look like I was layering and not like I just jumped like off the peloton. I don't have on uh, <laughs> sports bra top and bottom underneath this right now because I do. And I think that's absolutely fantastic because duality is a thing. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Around the Way Curls. We're just tying that all together. Um, well, that's our self-care. We also have a favorite things coming back this year, guys. So I think we do. Yes, we do. We're going to be shouting out some of our favorite brand, black brands um, and that have been doing things and that we've been patron patroning uh this year and we're excited so make sure you stay tuned for that in the coming weeks another favorite things episode but in the meantime in between time you know we got to end this on a negative note let's head on over to these petty peeves let's go and i want to be very responsible of the things i say to my sister because everybody know i can be real petty p-e to the t-t-y honey honey all right so my petty is pretty brief but still very poignant um, this is for all of the persons. I don't want to single mm-hmm. anyone out, right? But you mm-hmm. know how when you go out, if you like at brunch or you just out somewhere um, at a lounge, or even at the club, right? Do you know that when, and, and then someone tries to talk to you and, and that unrequited, unsolicited, like waist grab thing, Oh, I don't like that. Don't touch me, nigga. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Guess what Jay said. You know, because it's it, it's so it's so like not slick. It's not slick at all. Yeah. Okay. And you think you're being subtle and smooth, but it's creepy, right? Yeah. 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 And we are still negotiating a global ponderosa. Okay. And so you don't have to be in such close proximity to me to communicate with your maskless face, you strange man. Okay? So you leaning in, you're yeah. leaning in into my personal space. Mm-hmm. And to add insult to injury, you're gonna take your 
unfamiliar hand <laughs> and and place it upon my and waist. place it upon my body not my coat not my no. clothes Mm-mm. but on my back mm. or my hip my side and it's just very much given like you know that my ears are so God did his thing so good that they actually work like you don't have to be like right in like on it you know if you yes. want to speak to me you don't have to mm-hmm. be like on my ear like that like you don't have to be so close to me to talk but you know why they you know why they be and it's just like but and then when you say or when you grimace or when you sort of like mm, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it's like oh you being stuck up you being it's like no nigga you are you are a stranger you're too grown to not recognize that you are impeding on my personal space and my boundaries right now. Like, and my bubble. Like, you're too old and too grown. And we're too old and grown to be throwing out stuck up when somebody is enforcing their boundaries I just really or, feel like on their personal space. It's so wild to me that in 2022, you don't like recognize how critical it is to ask permission to like you need to be invited into someone's space you cannot just assume that you are welcome in someone's space and that includes that includes whether you trying to holler at somebody that includes uh hugging kids that include anything that involves contact with another human being needs to involve consent and i'm sure there's somebody listening to this right now that's like that's crazy no ask a kid if 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 they want a hug because most of the time they don't and they should be allowed to say no ask a person that you're trying to talk to out in a public setting is it okay if i lean in a little closer to you because i like the way you smell or i i just like to be closer to you you know like i would like to be closer to you and i would like to like i would like to look in your eyes while i have this conversation may i i mean it's a little uh, just something like that can be so it might be more of a turn on this is what i'm saying like you missed like the opportunity my brother <laughs> you missed it i just wanted to graze your elbow but elbow beautiful queen like i appreciate that nigga is that okay you know what i'm saying like just ask, ask. and the do. worst thing you can be told is no and that is not the worst thing in the it's world not. and y'all have also got to learn how to handle your ego when it, you are turned down because no or your expectations are not met exactly i mean i get no i get no's what oh, more often daily. than I get yeses daily, daily. Fuck out of here. <laughs> oh. But yes, what's, what's my your, what's, what's my petty peeve? I had it. What was my oh man? Nothing is worse than when like you're out for drinks, right? And I like I I I will I like to be able to be in a position to be the person to buy my friends a round of drinks. But when you're like a friend of the friends, yikes! then go to another bartender and start your own fucking tab. Don't like don't come in on my tab and then try to pass off some crumpled up monies into my hands. Like I don't mind. I'm buy drinks for my friends. This it's is my friend's birthday. Or my too. this is my. But it's but but then you gonna come through with just like a wad of splayed out dollars and shit. Like I'm getting ready to sit up here in the spot and count your dollars, Please nigga. Keep your eight dollars. Okay. Keep that 
for you and your for you and your date because I want I would just like to preface that wow. that's what was happening here. Yeah, I bought a nigga and his date a round of drinks because they somehow ended up like putting their order in with my shit and the lady and instead of being like no 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 like this nigga tried to pass me a bunch of splayed out wet ones in a man i'm not get that out of here and i <laughs> and i was i looked i was like nah i was like you hold that like you go ahead and take that and buy yourself some hand sanitizer and, and buy yourself some wallet. hand sanitizer you know what i'm saying and listen stuff happens like i think that's happened to me before and i'll just be like hey i have the next round or let me get you a drink next or don't in this day and age pass me your wet germy dollars don't you have a cash app we've got to do or a zelle or a venmo or just we've get the next round where's your card <laughs> we've got to do better I was, I was very irritated i was very irritated by this little stranger nigga and i'd like y'all are strangers to me and i'm buying your drinks and you trying to pass me this dirty money Mm. You take that, take that. Anyway, that's another episode of, of Getting Grown. Thank you so much for listening to us, uh, sure. Picture Moon. And shout out to Erica for coming through and yes. um, and being really like transparent and vulnerable um, and just sharing a lot of her story and her journey with us. We're really grateful to have this space to be able to share so many experiences of so many, so many different black women um out here so thank you for coming and doing that sis take them out tell them what to do make sure that in all of your um efforts and endeavors to stay safe and well that you are moisturizing your mind by worrying about yourself and minding mm-hmm. and attending to your business yes. and your business alone make sure that you are moisturizing your insides by drinking as much as the, of the Lord's water as your body can contain. Yes. It really is just the only thing that keeps us replenished and restored out here in these ashy dry streets. And you mm-hmm. want to also moisturize your largest organ, your skin. Yes. Tell them yes. this. Because your black will crack if it's dry. I know that's Bye. Right.